Father God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the truth that uh, because we are gathered here in your name, that you're here with us. So God, we pray now that your Holy Spirit will just fill every corner of this space and that all that we do will be what he does, that his entire role is centered on pointing people back to Christ. The Holy Spirit comes to point us back to Jesus Christ. So God, we pray now that in, in, in your presence, in, in, in the Holy Spirit's presence, Lord, that we will do all things for Christ. We ask all these things in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I grew up going to church. Before I was born, I went to church. After I was born from day one, I went to church. I've spent my life uh, hearing preachers talk about the Bible and talk about God. And, and I've gone to Sunday school classes and I've listened to teachers tell us stories from the Bible, tell us about you know, Noah's Ark and, and Moses in the Red Sea and, and, and Jesus being born at Christmas and, and Jesus uh, being crucified and resurrected at Easter time and, 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 and all the parables, all the stories, the Good Samaritan, all these things, that, these stories that you hear throughout your life as you, as you read the Bible or as you go to church event, I, I, I was entrenched in that early on in my life. I've heard it. I've walked in that. I went to all the VBSs, all the vacation Bible schools, all the youth groups, all the events, listened to sermons all my life. But here's what I learned as I grew, as I got older. What I learned was listening and attending and accumulating knowledge did not grow my faith. God grows faith. We water it. So one person plants it, one person waters it. God does the growing. But I found that it was very important that I do some things that I wasn't doing. Maybe you can relate. Because what happened to me is even though I heard all of the information, even though I knew all the stories, I, I, knew, I knew what I was supposed to do, right? We know what we're supposed to do. 95% of the time, I'm confident you know what you're supposed to do. And sometimes don't do it. I still found myself... As I finished high school and went on to college and in college and in some of the years to follow, being bombarded with attacks and being bombarded with trials and temptations and being bombarded with, with all of these doubts where I would then, the devil kind of takes me on this midnight ride where I, I start uh, questioning everything and start wondering if I, you know, you know am, am I really going to live my life for Christ? Or do I really want to be a Christian? Or, 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 or is this sin really that bad? And I went down this road, and, and, and everybody goes down roads. We all have hills and valleys in our faith, you know. We, all, we can't live on the mountaintop. We can't live at the Propel Conference, but yet we also don't want to live in that valley all the time, I pray. But our life has, our faith has this ebb and flow. But the piece that I was missing, and I hope that you 
don't miss is the piece that fits well into our, our mission statement of, of making and guiding fully devoted followers of Christ is what fits into our passage today that once you receive Christ, you go about the work of growing. You go about the work of digging your roots deep into the things of God. You go about the work of, of establishing your faith and establishing in a, in, a, in a moving forward kind of progression. That I, don't, that, that I, that, that I want to be constantly moving forward on this path of progress in my pursuit of becoming more like Jesus Christ and my pursuit of becoming more righteous and more holy, not because that gets me into heaven, but because that, that, that's what we're asked to do in our Christian life. The part I was missing was the growing part. I knew everything I needed to know, but I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. So my prayer for you today as we begin into this message and we work, continue to work our way through the book of Colossians, which is really entirely, in, in a lot of ways, a call to maturing in Christ. And that's my hope for you is like we talked about last week that I that could present you mature in Christ in heaven to God the Father. And that's my prayer for you as I struggle in prayer for you day after day and week after week. My prayer is that you will not just receive Christ, but that you will grow to maturity in Christ. So that whenever the wind blows, you're not like me at that time where you've got no roots, even though you know everything and you still can, and you continue to fall over and struggle, but that you are sinking into the things of God. You are digging into the things of God like we see in our passage that we're about to read, that we are drawing on the riches of Christ. So I want to encourage you today in your walk with Christ, in your faith, to continually pursue him, continually walk in him, continually follow him, continually dig into scripture, dig into God, to the gospels and see how did Jesus live and how is Jesus calling us to live so that you are truly drawing on the riches of Christ. So as we've been working through the book of Colossians, we've, uh, the, the majority of the, the first chapter is, is, is really a lot of truth. It's a lot of, here's, here's the truth of who God is, here's the truth of who Christ is, here's the truth of we need Jesus Christ to be central in everything that we do. And I say that all the time from this pulpit. I say if, if, if we are not centered on Christ, if we are not gospel-centered, good news of Jesus Christ-centered, then we're no longer a, a, a pure New Testament Christian church. We rely on Scripture alone and we build everything off of Scripture and God's inspired word and the teachings of Jesus Christ. That's why whenever I prepare a sermon, my main book to go to is the Bible. It's not somebody else's, generally it's not going to be somebody else's book on the Bible. It's going to be the Bible. It's a, what does God have for us today? And I hope you value that. You don't want to hear what I have to say and you don't want to hear what so-and-so, uh, such-and-such author has to say. But you want to hear what does the word of God say and then by God's help I will do my best humbly and boldly to tell you what God's word has to say. But you can dig into that yourself, which is part of today's challenge in the scripture. So we've heard a lot of truth where 
Jesus Christ is, is, is over all of creation. Everything is created by him and through him and for him. You can't have nothing in your life. Everything you see and touch and are, your very DNA, your very blood is created by, through, and for Jesus Christ. We exist for his glory and for our joy. So Christ is over all. Christ is truly God. He was God in the flesh. Christ is the source of salvation. And when we receive Christ, then Christ is living inside of us. He comes into my heart and now I have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and I have power for daily living. I have power for Christ to to move in my life. So we talked a lot about truth. Now we have this transition in the book of Colossians and I hope you're following along and if you've got your Bible with you, you can kind of lay it open uh, or bring it up on your phone or an app or whatever you got Um, because we see this transition from truth. Paul's just like, hey, here's the truth. Stop letting these people come into your life and tell you that it's not the truth. It's the truth. Stand on this cornerstone and this foundation alone. And then he transitions to say, okay, let me tell you that Christ is also the way. You may be familiar that Jesus himself said, I am the the truth, the way, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Is Christianity the only way to heaven? Yes. Don't fight with me. Fight with Jesus. It's in the book. These are his words. It's red letters. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we talked about truth, and now, now... Paul, as he's writing this, the Apostle Paul transitions us over to the way where we learn about Jesus Christ as the focus of our faith, as the, of our faith, as the source of our strength and the standard that we follow in this life. That he is the standard of perfection, that he lived a perfect and sinless life and that's why he could go to the cross as the blameless, sinless, perfect sacrifice for our sins because he who had no sin took on the sins of the world of yours and mine, nailed to the cross. And for that reason, we can be forgiven and escape hell in the wrath of God. So we are called to follow him, that he is the way. And we're called to not just get saved and sit down, but to be constantly drawing on the riches of Christ. Because I don't want you to be like me. Yeah, the devil's going to come at you. Yeah, yeah, the evil one's going to come at you. Yeah, there's spiritual warfare. There's a lot of things about the Christian life that aren't a cakewalk, right? Because if you're doing anything for Christ, if you're doing anything for the Lord, then you're not making the other team happy. They're not happy with you. They're going to do everything they can to drag you down. And ruin your life on this side of eternity. If they can't steal, if the devil can't steal eternity, he's going to steal the joy of your everyday life. But I want you to learn to draw on the riches of Christ. To be constantly digging in to who he is and asking him to fill you with more of, of, of his spirit, more of his power, more of his strength so that When the wind blows, your faith is firm. Your faith is firm. So the passage that we find ourselves at today is a short one. Last week we did the longest run that we have done so far in the book of Colossians, and we'll have some more of those long ones. But today uh, today I'm just going to offer you two verses because I think these two verses say enough. And uh, 
We could probably talk about these two verses for four or five weeks if we wanted to, but uh, I, will, uh, I will save you from that. If we did that, I'd have to ask Randy and Sue to help me out, but we'll stick with that. So Colossians 2, 6 through 7 says, Therefore, so we just finished talking about truth. We just finished talking about I'm struggling for you in prayer. I love you. Paul loved every church that he started, every Christian connected, even ripple effects all the way down as he, he led someone to Christ and then they led someone to Christ and then he led someone to Christ. He started a church and then they started a church. They started a church. He loves all of these people. His heart breaks for them whenever they struggle. His heart breaks for them when their life is hard. His, life, his heart breaks for them whenever they fall away from their faith. And he agonizes for them in prayer. And he says, after explaining all of this and explaining the truth of Christ is all, he says, therefore, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Amen. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, Walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, I, 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 our situation today is unlike Paul's. See, uh, Paul's writing this letter to a, uh, a church and or a group of churches in the city of Colossae. And he is, you know, these were house churches. These were probably small churches. That, that at this point in, in, in the early church in, in, in the world, there wouldn't have probably yet been any buildings that were just designated for churches. So this is a letter that he's writing and he's sending to these churches, to these Christians in the meeting and, and, and the, the leaders of that church, Epaphras would be one of them that we read about earlier. He's going to read this letter from Paul to the church to a room of believers. Knowing that the odds are everyone in that room receiving the letter is probably a believer. So he is assuming right up front that he's writing to Christians, to those who have received Christ as Lord. I know that 95, 99% of you have received Christ as Lord, but our context is a little different because in, in the modern day American church, we, we do have a lot of people who come to church who are not, have not yet received Christ, and we do offer evangelism from the pulpit and from, uh, from church events that we want to see you come into a relationship with Christ. This is our prayer. That's the challenge of, I wanna, we, we want to make you into a fully devoted follower of Christ. And we also want to guide those of you who already are. And I know you're all on these different spectrums. But Paul's writing this assuming that you have received Christ as Lord. So he's assuming that you have drawn on the riches of Christ by receiving him, by accepting him as Savior from sin and wrath. That you have submitted to him as Lord and King. That you have professed faith in him for salvation, that you've professed faith publicly through baptism. He assumes that his listeners have received Christ. So here's what happens. Like I alluded to earlier, a lot of people get saved and then they sit down. They get saved, they receive Christ, and, and that's, just, that's just it. My old pastor back home, he says all the time from the pulpit, He's got 25 plus years of experience and he says all the time, he says, if I ever wrote a book 
the title would be, There is Life After Salvation. There is life after salvation. It's not get saved and sit down and wait to just raise your hands in glory. I made it. I made it. I'm just as much of an infant as I was the day I got saved, but I'm here. I'm in. My goal was just to get in. Who'd you bring with me? No, nobody back. I, I'm here. But we're not called to get saved and sit down. We're called to receive Christ as the Lord of your life and that to be the beginning of life with Christ. And now we're called to continue on and follow his leadership and submit to him. So once you have given your life to Christ, now the big concern is will those who receive Christ walk in him? Will you walk in him? Will you follow him? Will you be rooted and built up and established in your faith? Or you just want to stop in this verse and say, I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. See, Paul's question to us, Paul's question is, are they going to make their daily practices conform to the principles of Scripture? Are their beliefs going to line up with their behavior? I can ask you the, the same question. You can ask me the same question. I can ask myself the same question. Are you and I going to make the daily practices of our life conform to the principles of Scripture? Are our beliefs going to align with our behavior? Are we going to live for Christ in all these do? Because Christ wants to guide you and help you with your daily problems, with your daily struggles, and he wants to be recognized in showing favor to you every time you receive a blessing. Even when you can't see that blessing, he wants you to turn and look up and say, I love you, thank you. So we receive Christ is our new birth. It's the beginning. It's that exciting moment of, of new life entering into the world. It's God taking your heart and give, taking your bad, evil heart and giving you a new heart. It's, it's God taking you as this creation and making you into a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. In John chapter 3, Jesus calls it being born again. You thought Billy Graham coined that phrase, didn't you? It's born again. It's Nicodemus went to Jesus at night and and. And he said, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And, and he said, you must be born again. See, our experience of first coming to Christ needs to mirror how we walk in him day after day after day in our life. So I ask you this. Some of you, this is recent. Some of you, this is maybe years back, maybe decades back. My ex, I ask you this. What is your salvation story like? Do you remember the day, maybe you were six or seven years old, maybe you were 15 years old, maybe you were 25, maybe you were 35, maybe you were 55. What was it like the day that, that, that the Holy Spirit opened your heart and you said yes to Jesus, I believe, I confess my sins, and I accept you as Lord and Savior. You remember the excitement of that day? You remember the freedom of that day? See, the call is, even though to know we can't live on this mountaintop, no one's expecting a mountaintop all the time, but you can live in a way that is in response to what has been given to you and what you have received freely. 
you can live with that kind of passion and that kind of desire and that, that kind of love for God. The church, if you read in Revelation, it was the church in Ephesus that was actually told, hey, you're really good at doing church. Your services are awesome. People come out and, and you're good with evangelism and missions and you got it down. You guys are teaching truth. But you forgot your first love. You forgot your first love. It's not just about following the liturgy. It's not just about preaching a witty sermon. It's not just about having a good song. You forgot about loving Christ. We're called to live our lives in that way. We are constantly loving Christ. We must submit to Christ. Now I mentioned Billy Graham. Billy Graham was, if, you, if you're not familiar, Billy Graham for for, for several decades went around and he, he preached these crusades and he preached to over 200 million, 200 million people at stadiums, packing out stadiums all over the world, not just America, all over the world. And what he would do, he'd do these calls to salvation and, and people would come in droves. We're talking hundreds of thousands of people just would run down through the stadium, down to the altar and they would, would confess Christ as Lord and Savior. And one of the things that... Billy Graham often would be contested with was how many of those people have actually continued to walk with Christ? You can't answer that question. You can't answer that question. But that wasn't Billy Graham's job. Billy Graham's job was to present the gospel. The Holy Spirit saves and then between, between God and that person is the decision. Am I going to fully surrender? Am I going to continue to walk in Christ? Am I going to root myself? Am I going to build myself up? Am I going to ask God to do these things and establish me in the faith? But Billy Graham knew that we're called to make him Lord to fully surrender. And he wrote in one of his books, he says, knowing all of this full well, Billy Graham writes, no man can be said to be truly converted to Christ who has not bent his will to Christ. He may give intellectual assent to the claims of Christ and may have had an emotional religious experience. However, he is not truly converted until he has surrendered his will to Christ as Lord, Savior, and Master. The call is to not just say, if, say the sinner's prayer and sit down. The call is to surrender your will to God, to Christ. To say, lead me, Lord. You are sovereign. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my Master. I will follow what you, where you lead me. I will acknowledge you and your will in all that I do. And as you do this, in your recalling of the joy and the peace and the passion and the incredible love for God whenever you receive Christ. God in his grace and in his power will reward you for drawing on the riches of Christ and give you the riches of Christ. That you will become rooted deeper and deeper and deeper so that your roots will go deep. And Paul uses that illustration of a, of a tree with its deep roots and continuing to dig down into the soil and find nourishment and nutrition in the same way we're called to do that as Christians where we're, we're, we're digging deep into the word of God. And we don't just tell you to read your Bible because you're checking a box and that feels good. No, that's, that's where it's at. That's the truth. 
truth. That's you, and for, for years of my life, I did not read the Bible hardly at all. And I wondered why I'm not growing, why I'm, why I'm falling, why I'm doubting, why I'm struggling. Well, it's because I'm filling myself with the things of the world or I'm filling myself with television or this or that or the other thing. And, and I'm never digging into scripture. And that's why I had a little bit of that rough time coming through college where I'm doubting everything. Because I wasn't really growing and establishing my faith and moving forward. I wasn't drawing on the riches of Christ. But we're called to do that so that we can be built up and have this ongoing process of growth. And in that process... As we are established and we're made firm and we're made stable and we are caused to grow and to multiply. Just like if you go out and you plant a field of crops, you plant the seeds and, and, and you take those steps of, of cultivating it and it grows and you harvest. As we do that, we're drawing on the riches of Christ. He does the growing. No farmer can plant a field Nobody can say, I'm going, to go, I'm going to go plant a field, I'm going to grow some crops, and you cannot do it without God. Whether he acknowledges God or not, God provided the seed, God provided the soil, God's going to provide the rain and the sun, and God's going to provide the growth. All God just wants us to do is acknowledge that he's in this, acknowledge that he's the creator, and turn to him and be abounding in thanksgiving, to live a life of constant thanksgiving, not... Not, not to, in a cheesy way, just always be like, thanks, God. Thanks for this. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. You know, I, I, I grew up in a, in a Christian home where we prayed for every meal. Every meal we sat down and we prayed. And I could, you know, I, I could, as a kid, I remembered the, the prayer was always almost identical. It's like, that's just when we prayed. We, we thanked God for what was, what was before us. And we prayed as a family for our meal. But there's so much more depth to that. We need to be overflowing with thankfulness and for salvation and for the improvements in our life and for the privileges that we have and the peace that we have and the sins that have been forgiven and, and that we've been cleansed of all our unrighteousness. Like it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if all you do is get saved and sit down, when it comes time, when the rubber hits the road, when life gets hard, when the struggles come, when the wind blows, and you're that tree with no roots, you're going down, or you're struggling, or, or you got to, you've got to lean on the pastor, or you've got to lean on, 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 a, on a mother or a father or a grandparent, because you haven't taken the time, and we need to lean on each other. We need to lean on each other. Don't hear me say that. You need to, I'm here for you to lean on me. And, and the Christians in your life are there for you to lean on. On them, But ultimately, you need to put all of this on the shoulders of Christ because he asks for it. And so while life is good, you need to dig down deep in your faith. You need to dig down deep in these roots and establish and build up. So that when the wind blows, you're ready with more than just the dinnertime prayer. See what I'm saying? I heard a story of these two guys that were out in the field and this bull started chasing after them. And, and as they're running and they're trying to protect themselves, trying to get away from this bull, the one yells over to the other and says, this bull is getting closer and closer and says, hey buddy, can you, will you pray? We need you to pray. You're, you're the Christian. I'm, I'm, I'm not a Christian. You're a Christian. Will you pray for us? Will you pray for us? He said, I don't know any prayers. I don't know any prayers. Well, you gotta come up with something. Can you please pray for us? And as the bull gets closer and closer, and right before he impales them, the guy 
quickly prays the only prayer that he can think of is, for what we are about to receive, Lord, make us grateful. That's the dinner prayer because that's all we had. But we're to live a life that is abounding in thanksgiving, constantly asking the Lord and thanking the Lord for what he has given us. And we'll grow deeper and deeper in our faith. So praise the Lord if anybody wants to pray through this, talk through this. Um, that's my encouragement to you as I, I, as I want you to grow deeper and deeper in your faith and your walk with Christ. So you don't just receive Christ, get baptized and sit down. But receive Christ, get baptized and continue to grow deeper in your faith. So if you please bow your heads with me in prayer. Um, like I said early on, I want to open the altars and invite you guys to come up. I'm going to pray, and if you'd like to come up, um, the worship team is going to come up here and kind of get ready. And uh, if you'd like to come up and pray for anything, um, if you want to come to my left, your right, or my right, my, my left, your right, if you want to just pray by yourself, and my right, your left, if you would like someone to pray with you. So why don't you start by just joining me in a word of prayer, and please, please don't be shy. Please just come uh, there's no judgment in this place. We are a place, uh, a, a room full of broken people, redeemed by the blood of Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. Nobody's watching, so I praise you. Thank you so much. Father God, uh, I ask, Lord, as people sit here and consider uh, what to pray for, what to, to seek you for, God, I ask that your spirit will move in their life and in their heart. And Lord, that no one will be filled with shame and guilt and embarrassment that who's looking, who's watching, but that they'll just openly say, okay, me and God, me and God, me and God. Father, I ask that you will move, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.